Hi everyone, and welcome to the Product Marketing Life podcast, which is brought to you by Product Marketing Alliance. My name's Bryony Pierce, and I'm the Content Manager here at PMA. This week's podcast is sponsored by Product Marketing Core, Meta, we know. PMMC is our very own Product Marketing Certification Programme, and it covers the A to Z of Product Marketing Essentials. With 11 modules, 68 chapters, 87 exam questions, 10 plus hours worth of learning and official PMA certification, it's a course not to be missed. Head to pmmalliance.co forward slash pmmc for more info. Back to today's show. To give you a glimpse into the world of other product marketers, in this show, we'll be talking to Chris Winkler, a senior product marketing manager at Docsend, about what a day in his shoes looks like. Chris joined Docsend back in October 2018, and before that, spent time at Glassdoor and Groupon in a blend of product marketing and account representative roles. He's also one of our founding 500 members and a PMA ambassador. As many product marketers know, there isn't really such thing as a standard day in this industry, and because of that, we're going to be focusing on Chris's most recent working day. Before we get stuck into a day in the life of them, Welcome to the show, Chris. Thank you so much. Glad to be here. Oh, it's our pleasure to have you. Um, I guess, could we just kick off with a bit of an introduction to you and uh, Docsend? Of course. Um, so I am the senior product marketer here at Docsend, uh, part of a product marketing team of one. Um, so sometimes somewhat lonely. Um, but here at Docsend, we are a secure file sharing platform for primarily startup founders, VCs, and financial professionals. Um, that really kind of helps them have more control over the sensitive information they're oftentimes sending externally while also providing them um, with analytics and insights to help them kind of inform uh, business strategy as well as their follow-up for after they share those documents out. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned it's you and one other product marketer. Out of curiosity, what's your ratio with product managers at Docsend? Oh, I'm sorry. It was it's just me on the team, um, oh, and then I have sorry. one product manager. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. Um, cool. Yep. Okay. Um, so, add a bit of context then before we move on to your day yesterday. Could you just give us a bit of a background, um, kind of into the current stage of like the product lifecycle that you're in at the moment? Yeah, it's a great question. I think it's it's two part really. Um, currently. With the next product that we're kind of looking to release, it's really kind of really honing in on that positioning messaging and um, what's unique about this next feature that we're releasing is it's more of a functional release than kind of a glitzy big advertisement new product release and so really on our end it's really kind of focusing on the internal processes involved making sure everything is set up um, because what this will do is really open up um, new opportunities for how our users open or use the product um, as well as kind of really how they can expand and grow their use of Docsend um, externally. Um, so really, it's getting towards that launch period, um, ideally kind of mid-March, and so really making sure, you know, we have all the internal reporting squared away. We have the positioning and messaging um, really focused in on, um, and then also kind of the internal enablement, um, so really kind of heading up making sure that CS, our support team, our sales team all, all knows the right way to talk about this feature um, and some of the edge cases that we could see. 
Um, but on the flip side, I think, you know, there's always an earlier stage that myself and my PM are working on, which is around like gathering data and kind of just doing more and more analysis to inform really what those next products and features are that we're going to be building for our users and how each different use case or persona might use that feature differently and kind of really understanding like what that MVP looks like as well as like what that full blown fully built product looks like at the end of the day and like really where we can kind of start to focus. Um, so at a high level, you know, it's always, I feel like planning for the next launch while kind of making sure the current launch is kind of getting ready to go out the door. Yeah, for sure. And then with a launch like this, that's kind of going on in March, how long ago will you have known that this was kind of coming? Like, do you get much oversight into the product's roadmap by Docsend? Yes. So I'm very fortunate here at Docsend to work closely with both my CTO um, and product manager. And um, really kind of they have kept me in the loop and allowed me to kind of do research and help them out in terms of really understanding, like, what should go into that product roadmap. And so this was a feature that we've known about likely since. I guess Q4 of last year, maybe even earlier than that. However, it really hasn't started kind of coming to fruition until earlier, um, I guess, the beginning of this quarter, really. Um, and so I think what one thing I really like about um, how Docsend develops their product roadmap is they really kind of try to focus on six months at a time. However, they focus on themes for the rest of the year past that. So while Q1 and Q2 of this year is kind of, solidified to an extent, um, then we have a bunch of these ideas that we're trying to validate for Q3 and Q4, which kind of ties back into your last question around like how we're just always, I feel like in this analysis phase to make sure we understand, you know, really what that looks like. And then we can prioritize those products and features based off of the intel we gather. Okay, cool. That makes sense. So I guess next up, kind of in the main theme of the podcast, is looking at your most recent working day. So this is obviously um, an area of product marketing that just changes so much from day to day, and kind of one product marketer's day can be vastly different to another's. Um, so I guess focusing on yesterday, can you just talk us through what that looked like for you in terms of kind of what meetings you were in, what sort of tasks you were working on, what teams you were interacting with, and that kind of thing? Of course. So yesterday was an interesting one. Um very exciting thing happened. Believe it or not, we have not launched uh, an MPS score yet. And so yesterday, uh, myself and my marketing ops manager finally got all the pieces together to launch that. So that took up a big portion of the day and was a very exciting one because I think MPS is a very important data point to consider, especially when understanding your users and how they use the product. Um, but more than that, I think I met, let's see, I met with of course, my PM to really kind of continue to fine tune the messaging and positioning and more so for me, really get deeper and deeper understanding of the upcoming release and that product functionality um, so that I can continue to fine tune and educate the rest of the departments on um, how that product and feature should work. Um, I also had meetings with sales in CS. So on the CS side, um, because we're starting to kind of shift our target audience and our target personas, you know, they, I'm working with them to help them understand really how to prep to talk to these new personas that we expect them to start managing, um, as well as 
how to develop a health score to really kind of help them understand like, is this a good client um, or is this someone that might be at risk? Um, Cause obviously with CS, you know, retention is a big goal for them. Um, and then on the sales side, um, and these kind of go hand in hand, uh, we are currently using uh, an outside SDR agency. Mm-hmm. Um, and so having meetings with them to make sure uh, really, well, I guess just checking on progress for fine messaging where we need to and continue to iterate to make sure we're getting kind of the best response and the most putting out the most effective messaging to target and attract these new personas to get them into sales. Um, I think then on the more creative side of things and something I really enjoy, um, I am responsible for creating the all the product videos that we do. And so we use another outside video agency um, for that. And so yesterday I spent a good chunk of time developing a creative brief and putting together like really kind of what I want the underlying message and theme of this upcoming video to be focused on and then working with um, that outside agency to kind of talk that through, see what's viable, answer any questions he might have. Um, And then the last two pieces, which are a little bit more, I guess, um, yeah, I just, Easy ones are one I kicked off, uh, had a new vendor. We just purchased a new competitive intelligence vendor. Um, and so really kind of working with them to um, talk them through the competitors you want to target. More importantly, kind of give them the background knowledge of why we're targeting these competitors um, and what kind of insights I'd really like to focus on um, when they provide those insights to me. And then the last piece there was I'm currently also developing some surveys to identify and like understand, well, identify users in our other use case, um, because I think this is kind of a mysterious black hole for us right now. We have a lot of people come into DocSend that select this use case. So really want to understand who they are, what they're using us for. Mm -hmm. Um, And then really kind of like taking a step back and then creating that survey and then spreading it around the rest of the teams to make sure um, if there's any other insights or inputs they want to pull out of this survey, um, getting that feedback and filling that into the survey. So yesterday was kind of an interesting one. It was a bunch of different things going on at the same time. And I would say it's, that's almost kind of like how every day is. It seems like there's just a bunch of different tasks that need to happen. But as long as you're moving things forward, I think that's kind of my daily goal is to at least kind of focus on getting these things to the next step on a daily basis. Yeah, for sure. It sounds like a, a packed day. <laughs> yes, it um, was. How did that NPS launch go? So it so far so good. Um, I'm seeing the results coming in by the minute. Actually, I just got another one, um, and they have been so far pretty strong answers. A lot of promoters, um, a couple of neutrals in there, and so um, I think what we decided to do this time, uh, because we haven't done it yet, is we did a soft launch to about like a thousand users just to make sure everything's working and we'll do the bigger launch to all our um, current customers. I think this afternoon seeing as everything looks to be set up properly. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, really excited to kind of get that data back into our system so we can do some further analysis on that. Yeah. And then what's actually, so on your, on your side, what's involved with that launch, like internally and externally, like kind of what kind of, assets for example did you need or what kind of messages did you send out so um 
Nothing was sent out as of yet because I think we are still, I mean, the product is very close to being done. However, what's unique about this product is, is it changes, what's the easiest way for me to put this? It, it kind of changes how we identify a user within our system. And this is really important because I think a big portion of my job is controlling kind of like the lifecycle marketing for these users. And the last thing I want to do um, and this new feature kind of opens up this possibility. But the last thing I want to do is re-message something to someone multiple times, given that now we might possibly recognize them as three different users. And so really it's kind of working with my PM and my engineering team, as well as my marketing ops uh, manager to make sure we can eliminate that possibility. Um, for example, I guess to kind of give you some insights into what this feature is, it's uh, which would kind of make this all make a little bit more sense, but it allows a user to essentially create a new quote unquote company within Docsend. Um, however, I think like what we're trying to figure out is how we can recognize um, what that first company is so that this user doesn't continue to get a new onboarding campaign every time mm-hmm. they create a new company. Um, so it's really more on the back end and making sure everything is aligned and set up properly uh, so we can avoid any mistakes. Um, but then on the messaging piece, it, it is kind of, I've been creating some more so internal slides and decks to help everyone understand like really what the functionality is, what some of these edge cases could be, um, and really what we hope to see out of this release, which, um, has been helpful, I think, cause I think there's with something like this that is more so technical than kind of a new, full-on product, um, sometimes there can be a lot of confusion in terms of the functionality and how it's supposed to work and how it could possibly work. Yep, that makes sense. And then you mentioned that you were working on some messaging work with your PM yesterday. In terms of that relationship for that kind of job, like what what involvement does the PM have with your messaging and positioning work? Um, I think because he is much closer to the product build and understanding like exactly the ins and outs. And um, I think it goes from like really a transfer of knowledge to the engineer, to him and then to me. And so it's a lot of me bouncing ideas off and making sure, you know, is my positioning and messaging aligned with this feature? Am I just completely out of the ballpark and missing something? Um, And so he is a great way for me and a great resource to kind of gut check what I'm going to say. Um, because, you know, it's without that full understanding, you can message something completely wrong and that just drives user confusion. And that's the last thing we want to do. And so, um, a lot of times he's kind of a good, good person to bounce ideas off of. And at the same time, I think uh, my PM also has his own ideas. So he'll also kind of help me sometimes shift viewpoints, um, to look at this product or feature in a new lens, which can oftentimes be very helpful because I think sometimes as PMMs, we can get so focused into a certain positioning angle that you can ignore other ones. And so um, I think always kind of bouncing those ideas, whether it's a PM or someone else on the team, can help you kind of take a step back and think about, okay, maybe there are multiple ways we can look at positioning messages for different use cases. And so that has always been helpful um, when working with him. Yep, that makes sense. 
And then my next question was around the meetings that you had with the sales teams. I always feel like this is maybe a bit of a sticky topic um, in product marketing and especially in the Slack community. We see lots mm-hmm. of questions about people asking how they can get sales engaged and how they should best kind of interact with them. How do you go about setting those meetings up and getting that interaction and engagement out of your sales teams? You know, I, it's a great question. I think it's it's kind of from my experience is different company to company. First of all, um, I think having come from sales myself, I have been in a lot of those product marketing meetings when I don't want to necessarily be that involved. And I think that as a sales rep actually goes back to kind of hurt you in a way. Um, but I think really kind of understanding that that's how sometimes that could, they could think, but then also putting it into a position where it's like, Hey, I'm just here to listen. Like you guys are on the phones every day. You are talking with these prospects on a daily basis. And so it's important for me to know what these common objections are, um, what these common questions are. Are we targeting the right people from a marketing span? And so I think more so giving them the power to kind of just provide me with that feedback has been um, a great tool because, you know, on one hand, you have to take it with somewhat of a grain of salt, um, especially if someone just got off a bad call because then they think maybe sometimes the world is crumbling to them. But uh, at the same point, there's also often a lot of truth behind that. And so understanding like how to get to kind of the insight within that feedback and then go back to your team and apply that insight, whether it's, you know, in the positioning messaging that I develop or maybe the channels that my growth marketer advertises in, um, I think letting them know that there's actually going to be some sort of next steps and action items that comes from that feedback has helped kind of me build that relationship with them. And I'm also very fortunate enough to have a fairly small sales team. And so it's very kind of informal. It's more so like they, they know where I sit, obviously, we're a small company, so they whether it's a meeting or they just come up oftentimes to tell me, hey, I just had this great call, you should listen to it, or hey, I just got this objection, which is absolutely new, we, have you seen this before? And so it's, it's, it's a very fluid way of kind of just providing feedback and then acting on it. Yeah, sure. And then so you obviously have a lot of kind of variety in your day. Would you say there are any constants for your day-to-days? Um, I would. And there's somewhat high level constants. However, I feel like there's always a chunk of my day where I'm doing some sort of research, whether it's on the marketplace, whether it's on specific competitors and really kind of diving into their product to understand the features and functionality. And probably more importantly for me, how they are positioning those features and functionality. Um, or it's more internal research when I'm looking at our users and how these users are kind of going through the the funnel. And since we're a trial first uh, product for the most part, um, really kind of looking at that user onboarding flow and are people doing the actions that we want them to, which we know will actually kind of increase the likelihood of them paying for Doxen. Um, and if not, like what kind of tweaks, or I guess more so what kind of assumptions can we build based off that and how we can how can we test those assumptions to kind of optimize what those flows look like. Um, and so I think like that could be anything from 
diving into our data platform or just doing a good chunk of reading and keeping tabs on what's out there. Um, I think the other constant is there's never not a day where I'm pulled into a meeting that's not been scheduled. So it's kind of like the, <laughs> the, the constant. <laughs> exactly. And so like the constant is almost that there's not necessarily a full constant, I guess. <laughs> And in terms of those research pieces, whether it's kind of competitors or marketplace or users, is that something that you own within the companies, the product marketer, or are there any other teams that you lean on for that kind of thing? I would say for the most part, that is something I own. Um, and I think it's, it's a very valuable piece, in my opinion, because I think everyone's busy doing their specific job. And I think um, that understanding that marketing, that competitive research, in my opinion, is a very important pillar of product marketing. And so I do try to make it so I can kind of synthesize some of that research when I find something interesting and then share it with the proper internal stakeholders. Um, and even if there's not necessarily an action item on it, I think just providing that visibility and making sure everyone is aware of what's going on in the market is absolutely crucial um, to kind of formulate the next strategy internally yeah and then in that kind of first sharing step how do you actually go about that is that a case of kind of pulling everyone to meeting and chatting about it or you just send an email around or yeah i you know i've there was a time when i would spend a good chunk of time trying to get that information put it into a nice pretty deck to send out and i've realized you know just really kind of putting your thoughts in the Google Doc, sharing an email. And what I like to do is kind of in the email, give my high level points that I've picked up and then share that Google Doc and say, if you're interested in like learning more and getting more granular, like here's the information in its entirety. Um, and so I, I find that helpful because whether you just have a couple seconds to read that email um, or you actually can get into the document and really dive into those insights, um, it's it's something that you can easily digest uh, depending on your time. And, you know, obviously I, I welcome comments within that document as well. And so I think by doing that, it kind of then fosters this conversation. And if it, if we need to have a meeting, like we can have that meeting, I'm happy to do that. But I think just getting the information is more important than the presentation of that information. And I don't mean that entirely, but I think for quick, like competitive insights, I think just getting the information is uh, very important. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, and what do you say you enjoy, like the variety of product marketing? Do you enjoy that every day is kind of different and you get these curveballs? And... Yes, I absolutely love it. I think um, it can be sometimes dangerous when, how much I like it because it, a curveball sometimes if I find it very interesting, um, I need to make sure I don't kind of go down a rabbit hole just chasing that specific thing, especially, especially if it's not necessarily something that will drive the, the biggest impact. But I think the, the variety and being exposed to essentially all the business units at my company is something that I really enjoy because I, I I'm a product marketer at heart, but I love learning how engineers think. I love learning how my PM thinks. I love learning how my executive staff thinks about like really kind of the direction of the company. And so being able to kind of shift mindsets on a whim is something that I find interesting and I think keeps me kind of more curious, um, not just about 
product marketing, but I think in essence, like how you are really fundamentally supposed to grow uh, a company. So um, I would definitely say I'm a, I'm a big fan. Yeah. And then I guess for people who are new to the industry, that kind of lack of day-to-day structure could maybe take a bit of getting used to. Would you have mm-hmm. like any advice for those kind of people who may be struggling with that element of the role? A hundred percent. And I think kind of like I alluded to on that last part where sometimes you can get into a dangerous rabbit hole. I think it's important to just consistently prioritize. Um, I think, and this is something that I learned somewhat the hard way early on in my product marketing career, but if you're trying to do a thousand things at once, it's, you're not going to really do them either well or complete many of them. And I think, um, really kind of being able to take a step back when you might be feeling overwhelmed or when there's a lot of things you need to do and really kind of reprioritizing like, okay, what, what do I think can drive the biggest out or impact in the short term? What can maybe wait a little bit longer? And then what can I maybe deprioritize or push off? Or now that our market t- marketing team has grown, I think, what can I delegate? to other people within the marketing team um so i think that that's that's the biggest piece for me um is really kind of taking a step back and reprioritizing for sure and well i guess another piece is i also learned this the hard way but uh the importance of saying no to things um and <laughs> it's an art form i've i've learned it's you can't just say no like that doesn't necessarily always come off right way but um really kind of having that conversation and understanding uh what the underlying motivating factors are to that ask of you um and then really kind of again then seeing where that fits into your prior priorities as well as your scope for the quarter um maybe it makes sense but sometimes you know it just says you know i think given that we've agreed on focusing on these things on this quarter you know that doesn't necessarily fit in scope but most time when you phrase it the right way people are very receptive to that so that's definitely a crucial piece would you say there's anything that you still sort of struggle saying no to to this day i think it's um i think it's the pieces that i find personally very interesting or very curious that maybe don't drive the biggest impact but i want to know the answer to i think there there are sometimes questions that i feel just like personally motivated to get the answer to and i think even then i need to take that step back and be like chris even if you get this answer like what's going to come of it um and what is this going to impact down the line um and yes there have been many times where it's been an hour into me trying to find that answer i'm like why i need to take a step back and refocus <laughs> my attention on the things that matter most. And so uh, I'm a naturally very curious person. So if something piques that curiosity, it, it can lead me to um, that rabbit hole that I need to get back out of. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Well, thank you for kind of giving us a bit of insight into your day there. I'm just going to move yes. on to next a few questions just to help people get to understand you and your drivers and your experience a bit better. Um, mm-hmm. So, first off, if you could go back to the start of your products marketing career, knowing what you know now, what advice would you give to yourself? Um, I think it goes back to that awful way of saying no. Um, I think there was an early time, especially when I wanted to 
prove my ability um, to be a good product marketer that I I looked at just saying yes to everything as a way to prove myself. And I think that can lead to just, I mean, you just get tired when you say yes to everything and you kind of put some unwanted pressure on yourself. And um, I've seen people that I've worked with that are just getting into product marketing, say yes to everything and, and they just kind of burn themselves out. Um, and so I think consistently understanding how to identify what items will make the biggest impact and then kind of using that measurement to then lay out what you're going to focus on is something I wish I could have told myself uh, years ago. Mm-hmm. I feel like that kind of saying no piece can be a bit of a trap for a lot of product marketers, especially when you first start in a new job, because I imagine in the first few weeks and months, it's all about kind of building those relationships of those kind of stakeholders and teams that you're going to need to rely on. And yes. it as it can feel unnatural if you think, well, I'm going to need to work yes. really closely with this person. But as soon as they come to me, I'm going to tell them no. And it can maybe feel a bit kind of counterproductive, but obviously it has to be done. Right. And I think, you know, I guess there is a caveat to that. And there are some things that, and I, I, I will stay strong on my stance on like, hey, what makes the biggest impact? But I do also see you can kind of define impact in a couple different ways, right? You could have impact on the business, but you could have impact on internal alliances and internal trust. And so if there's an ask of you that you think you can get done really fast, but it's going to like improve a relationship that you have with an internal stakeholder, like I see that as a high impact mm-hmm. action. Um, because when it comes back to kind of maybe you might have an ask of them, it's it's now, okay, like we are partners in this and we can rely on each other when things come up. Um, and so it's a tricky game, one that I think changes from company to company. And I think, that unfortunately, there's not a full-blown, you know, methodology to it. But like you said, it can, it can be kind of a trap. Um, but I've also seen myself saying no to someone and that also builds trust with them because they understand, you know, I do know how to prioritize and I do know how to kind of identify things that drive the biggest impact. So, you know, it's it's one of those things. It's very case by case. Yeah, it works both ways, I guess, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, yep. Okay, so next up, can you think of any sort of mantra or belief or behavior or tip, for example, that has most influenced you in your product marketing career? Um. Yes, and it's changed and been refined over time, I think. Again, coming from sales to product marketing, I felt like I had a lot to prove. However, my initial kind of mantra, which I'm sure there's people out there that might be eye-rolling to this, but was uh, it was fake it till you make it for a lot of things. I think it was just kind of like, I'm going to pretend I know how to do this, and even I don't, I'm going to figure out how to do it. And I think that, Mantra has helped me just expedite my learning curve. But I think what that's led into is my, and I think this is also another trap people fall into sometimes, but I think that has kind of led into my willingness to accept the fact that I'm going to make mistakes. Um, There is no one in product marketing, I'm sure, probably no one in life that hasn't made a mistake before. Um, But I think those mistakes have helped me accelerate my understanding of effective product marketing and just kind of the role 
in general um, immensely. And so I, I've seen, again, kind of the second piece around new product marketers, um, either kind of the struggle saying no, but also this fear of making mistakes. They want everything to be perfect. And I think it's one of those things that the mistakes are going to help you improve. They're going to help you learn. They're going to help you become better at your job. Um, and I also kind of believe in the Pareto principle around kind of that 80-20, like 80% there is likely going to be as good as 100%. That remaining 20% probably has a little bit of diminishing return. And so that kind of methodology has helped me when kind of getting things out there. Um, Because I think mistakes are inevitable. You shouldn't be afraid of them. You should, in a weird way, look forward to them. Um, Obviously, don't make a mistake that tanks the company by any means, (laughs) (laughs) but try to minimize the impact of those mistakes. I think it's it's a great way to learn. Yeah. And then out of curiosity, you said you came from sales into product marketing. How did you make that transition and how, like, was it very much a case of learning product marketing on the job or? Yeah. Um. It really started with relationship building, I would say. Um, And it started at my previous company. I think I was in sales. I was kind of, it started actually with my kind of back to the creative side of things. I was really wondering like where all this sales collateral came from. And again, I didn't really know necessarily what product marketing was. And so I would get this collateral. I would have tweaks and improvements I'd want to make, but I didn't necessarily know who to give this feedback to. And so kind of that search landed me um, with the product marketing team naturally. And so I started talking to them, working with them. Um, and that relationship really transpired over several months to be, you know, just kind of someone that would just provide feedback to now having regular meetings to then getting to the point where a role opened up for someone a little bit newer Um someone actually more so focused on the collateral piece and so they kind of asked me to interview um and then that was an area where i was able to step in uh really prove myself um and then kind of climb the ladder from there and moving really from a very much collateral and sales enablement focused role up to you know the higher level uh strategic thinking product marketing role Mm -hmm. okay nice um next up can you think of any bad examples of bad practices or bits of advice that you hear in the industry but maybe wouldn't recommend others to kind of follow um i think there's two parts to this um there's a product and sales piece i think i kind of touched on the sales piece a little bit earlier but i've i've recently read some things about especially when doing win-loss analysis that Going to sales sometimes isn't helpful. Um, and I think there can be a degree of truth to that. However, I think, again, going back to relationship building and forming allies and kind of building partnerships within sales, I think being able to identify specific reps um, that are able to provide critical feedback and helpful feedback and leveraging them um, can be very helpful and very insightful because, you know, they ultimately, whether product marketers want to know it or not, like oftentimes are the true customer experts because they are living the ins and outs of this customer journey and identifying all the problems that these customers are uncovering, um, whether it's with the product or service or the process, who knows. And so 
getting that quick snappy feedback to me has always been helpful. And I alluded to this earlier, but I, I mean, there are some times you, t- you should take it with a grain of salt. I fully believe in that. Um, but that has been um, something very helpful for me, um, especially growing in product marketing. I think the second piece, and I think this is changing. Um, however, I have been involved sometimes where um, product and product marketing want to interview users at the same time. Um, or really kind of combine research efforts. And I'm all about combining research efforts. However, I think when doing so, like the questions a product manager will ask compared to what a product marketing manager will ask are extremely different. So trying to squeeze those both into a 30-minute call mm-hmm. will give both people 50% of those of the answers they're really looking for. And so I think – understanding and formulating a plan with your PM to, because at the end of the day, you both in a way want the same thing, but it's just the questions you ask that will get you there. Um, And so working with them closely to kind of really, one, come up with the questions together, isolate, you know, and segment who you want to, who each person wants to talk to, um, and then kind of formulating a plan to do that with kind of the end goal of sharing the insights back and forth. Um, Cause I've had many times my current PM gets off a call, gives me some insights that I find extremely helpful that I can take for my product marketing um, and positioning and messaging. And then I've gotten off calls that I've provided to my PM that he provides very insightful in terms of like what areas of the product they can improve and optimize. Um, you know, I don't really know how widespread that is. To be honest with you, but I think it's something just to kind of keep note of if you're in that research and data collecting phase. Yeah, I guess that's another one that I'll just vary from company to company because the impression yeah. I get is often from these podcasts is that some people have very different relationships with their product managers than others. Um, so I guess right. that's a case by case one as well. Um, but it sounds like you've got a good setup going. Yep. Um, great one. Alrighty, uh, next one. If someone was looking to move up the product marketing ladder and they could only focus on one skill, what should that skill be and why? Ooh, okay. So I guess it is being, I'm going to say two parts, but it's the same skill, I think. Um, so I think just like being, in, well, knowing how to pull insights from customers, products, prospects, and data. Um, and really kind of understanding where to get those insights. I think if you are anything as a product marketer, in my opinion, you should know the ins and outs of how your customers view your product and how your prospects under, like, look to buy and vet different solutions. Um, and so the more you know there, you are going to be the best strategic partner to any department internally because you are now the professional of the user as well as the prospect. Um, so you'll be involved in a lot more meetings. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like catch 22 there, then you get in a lot more meetings. <laughs> yep, exactly. But a lot of times there's a lot of progress that comes out of those meetings. Yeah. And I think they're, they're very helpful to get everyone aligned on uh, some of the insights that you pull. Um, yeah, that makes sense. And then I guess kind of tying into that, um, so obviously product marketing is a massively varied role. You've got a lot of different teams pulled in and out of meetings. You're kind of at the center of everything. 
So the impression I get is it can maybe be a bit of an overwhelming um, role at times. So if you ever feel overwhelmed or unfocused or anything like that, is there anything that you kind of do or tell yourself to regain that composure? Yeah, so I think if I'm feeling overwhelmed, it goes back to that prioritization, understanding, okay, where if I had to choose one thing to focus my time on right now, where would that be? Um, and so that's step one. If I'm feeling kind of unfocused and overwhelmed, um, I oftentimes try to just get away from my computer, go for a walk, um, just kind of go relax for a second. Um, sometimes I go just grab a coffee because I think I can almost guarantee none of my best ideas or kind of thoughts around positioning and messaging have really necessarily come while staring at the computer. It's been very random. I'm I'm walking around. I'm in the shower in the morning. That actually happens more often. I was just about to say you can um, be in the shower as well. <laughs> it's yeah, like, damn, I have a piece of paper to write it down before I forget. <laughs> Exactly. Like the, the amount of times my marketing team has heard me say, hey, I was thinking about this. It occurred to me in the shower is uh, too many. Uh, and so <laughs> they, that I think is, is really important. I think there's a lot of studies that also show like kind of disconnecting and pulling your way a self from the computer um, can be really helpful. And I think if you try to force the thought, in my experience, it doesn't work that well. However, if you just let these things come naturally um, while just kind of going about your day or trying to kind of step away from the specific task at hand and think broadly, I, I've found a lot of success with that. Um, and, you know, a little bit of fresh air never really hurt anyone. So I think just getting out there and kind of relaxing and freeing your brain up of some of these stresses can um, really be beneficial, not just for that day, but also, I mean, even for like an entire week, I yeah. kind of, it's really helped me kind of clear up and schedule the rest of my week. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. I remember um, this was a few years ago, kind of pre-PMA, um, but I'm quite a keen runner, so I go out running quite a lot. And it was one Sunday morning. I was out on this kind of 10, 11 mile run and it must have been about four miles in. And I just had this really great idea and I was freelancing at the time. So it's for my freelance business. Um, mm -hmm. And I would say I had nothing to kind of write it down on. I don't take my phone with me. I didn't have a pad of paper in my pocket. Um, yep. So for the next kind of seven miles of my run, I was just running around repeating this idea in my head thinking, cannot forget it, cannot forget it. I was like, this <laughs> yep. <is> ridiculous. <laughs> yep. Uh, I, have all, I have slacked my CTO at two in the morning because I'll wake <laughs> up in the middle of the night and I don't want to forget something. <laughs> and the next day being like, were you asleep or were you out? <laughs> I was like, I'm definitely asleep. I promise you that. <laughs> but I just, I jolted out of bed thinking about this. Um, and so they come at the weirdest times. But to your point, it's important to kind of write it down or do your best not to forget about it because those can be some, some great ideas more often than that. Yep. Um, okay, final few questions. Um, next one. If hypothetically um, your work hours were chopped in half all of a sudden, where would you spend that remaining time you had left? I think it goes back to becoming that um, expert on the client. I would probably dedicate all my time to whether it's scheduling calls with current customers, whether it's um, trying to run surveys and uh, run focus groups with the ideal target audience that isn't a customer to understand what makes them tick. Um, that's where I would really spend all of my time because then. Going back to that earlier point, like you continue just to become 
this expert and almost spokesperson of both your current clients as well as the target audience. And so um, that just makes you very valuable within the organization. And I mean, if my hours were cut in half like that, however, I was able to bring that value to the rest of my department. I mean, it would still be, I think, very impactful. Mm-hmm. Um, and then next up, I get the impression throughout this podcast, the answer to this might be everything. Um, <laughs> what aspects of product marketing would you say you're most curious about? Um, everything is definitely a good, good start. <laughs> um, but something I've been trying to figure out more and more is um, really the psychology of what makes people act on a specific message or value prop. And I guess a lot of that is almost a little bit more advertising side, but really trying to figure out, you know, how to best talk to people to kind of influence them, really. And that is a very broad term. I think something you can use in multiple aspects of just life in general. Um, But diving into that and understanding, like, how you can relate a – product or feature to an actual personal impact or emotion that will drive that individual to take an action, whether it's just learning more to talk to you or whether it's actually buying the product. I think, you know, that is a piece that I find extremely fascinating. I think I notice it all the time. I think we all do. I think Apple's been doing it to us for years and they've figured it out. Um, but I will see ads or uh, a specific product being advertised and it will be it would just make me feel a certain way. And I'm like, that was interesting. Like I want to learn more about how I can do that um, for my audience. And I think depending on the audience and the product, it can be sometimes easier, sometimes extremely difficult. Um, but that is definitely, I think at the high level, um, something I'm very curious about. And then of course being, I think naturally curious, I think really kind of understanding ways to continue to strengthen and the relationship and connection from product marketing to product engineering and also just almost more so marketing to those departments. Um, I think the closer those two departments work together, I think um, the more cohesive uh, the end of product and service becomes and like the positioning messaging is constant and mirrors the product and vice versa. And that can be very powerful. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, penultimate question. What would you say the best lesson is that you've learned during your time in the product marketing industry? And kind of what led to you learning that lesson? Yeah, so especially when I started off, I used to hate OKRs. I used to hate planning. Um, I always felt like I spent more time sometimes planning my quarters than I did actually working on the stuff I put in my plan. However, I've quickly realized that that is extremely crucial and I think effective planning and getting buy-in from not just your team, but also other internal stakeholders is just going to make your life so much easier. It's going to just help again, back to, I feel like I've said prioritization like a million times (laughs) today, but I think like it it lets everyone know where your focus is at. And so it also can really help mitigate some of those kind of, curveball asks you might receive from people because they were involved in that process therefore they know what you're working on and what your focus is and they agreed to that and so it's it, it can really just help that conversation and I think the hiccup is you know 
going back to my earlier years in product marketing, I think not necessarily, again, when I wasn't really a fan of this area um, and not getting ex- internal buy-in, again, led to me kind of trying to chase multiple projects down um, at any given time. And it can just be very stressful. Um, so that was that was definitely, I think, a very, very important thing that I have been really kind of valued more and kind of put more importance on for sure yeah okay awesome and then final question what do you think the biggest problem the industry faces is either right now or in the future you know i i'm not sure if it's really the industry um maybe it is i there's i'm sure aspects of it in terms of how i think product marketers as a whole really kind of illustrate the impact but i i feel like a common theme that I've seen when talking to other companies and other product marketers is that um, many young companies, I feel like, wait a very long time to hire their first PMM. Um, they found some sort of product fit with the product they built, and they kind of think it's just going to keep going that way. Um, and then all of a sudden, that might kind of plateau, and they're kind of scratching their head, like, what's going on? Um, and so when that occurs, I, I've talk to my product marketers that have been brought into young companies and it's more so they're trying to fix things that happen versus looking forward mm-hmm. and improving and optimizing what this company has built. And, you know, again, I'm, I'm not, I guess on one hand, like in the grand scheme of marketing functions, product marketing, I guess is on the younger side. So hopefully this, you know, starts to change more and more. Um, but it's, I, it's something I find, very interesting um and hopefully you know as these more and more young startups grow they kind of start to shift attention to making product marketing one of those earlier strategic hires rather than something that they can pull in later on um so not totally sure if that fully answers the question (laughs) (laughs) great Okay, awesome. Well, that's all my questions for today. Thank you so much for your time, Chris. It's been lovely speaking to you. Wonderful. It's been an absolute pleasure. And uh, yeah, thanks for having me. For everyone still tuned in, thanks so much for listening. And if you enjoyed the podcast, please help us spread the word to other product marketers. Before we leave you to get on with your day, if you want to get involved, here are a few ways you can. If you're a product marketer and you want to come on the show to speak about your day, a specific topic, or just your role in general, that's one option. If you want to flex your podcast hosting skills, being a guest host is another. And finally, if you or your company want to sponsor an episode, there's a third. Thanks again and have a great morning, afternoon or evening, wherever you are.